0: Good morning and welcome to Never My Wildest Dream Podcast. Looking forward to today's show. We're going to do a little sports wrap. We got a Trust Tuesday segment. And Sam Brand, the head basketball coach of Baltimore's Poly High School, is going to be on today. Looking forward to our conversation with him. Sam knows a lot about the game. He knows a lot of people. and He's done some awesome things in Baltimore. I look forward to chatting with him about this as well as some other topics about building programs and getting it to the highest level. He's won the last four state championships in a row, and I look forward to talking about that. We will be back right after this. Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast begins in... Three, two, one. Let's first start in the world of sports. We will start in college basketball. Last night, Miami beats Duke 77-75. Oklahoma loses to Texas Tech 57-52. Drake beats Illinois State 95-60. And Louisville tops Georgia Tech 74-58 in games that we talked about yesterday. In today's contest, number 24, Purdue, travels to the University of Maryland. Kansas State is at Kansas. The Butler Bulldogs play at Marquette. Baylor is at Texas, and Michigan State is at Iowa. In the NHL, Boston beats the Capitals five to three for their first loss of the season and in the nba the celtics travel to golden state in the games that we will be following here is the trust tuesday segment what is the common denominator in failure why are you possibly failing you never say it's because of me it's either competition economy my bosses the admin if you wake up tomorrow morning and blame your failure on someone else or something else then there's no reason to change But if you woke up and looked in the mirror saying, I am failing because of me, because of the decisions I make, the energy, the effort that I put in and refuse to pass the blame. If you look in that mirror on February the 3rd in the morning, you will change because no one likes to see themselves as a failure, but we must be honest with ourselves and trust that the honesty is going to get us better. This is what we have to trust, our own gut and our own knowledge to become better tomorrow than we were today. This is our Trust Tuesday segment. Coach Sam Brand is on next. Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast begins in... Three, two, one. Welcome back to Never My Wildest Dream podcast. Looking forward to my next guest, Coach Sam Brand from Baltimore Poly High School. Coach played for Polly. He also played up in Nyack, New York his senior year. He went to New Hampton Prep. After that, he went to UMBC and played for one season. He transferred to Morgan State and was there for the next four years. He was fortunate enough to be a GA at Morgan State. He worked a ton of camps up and down the East Coast. He worked in his final camp with John Chaney. We're going to talk about that. John just passed away. and Right as he was doing that, Coach Bozeman called and said, we'd like to add you to the staff. And He was at Morgan State for three years as an assistant coach. He's now back at Poly as the head coach. He's been there for 10 years. The last of that 10 years, five of the years, he's been in the final four for the state. He also works with USA Basketball. Coach, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, coach. Appreciate
0: you having me, man. So, you know, I read a whole bunch of stuff there. Basketball is your life. Tell me where in Baltimore it got started. People that listen to this know a little bit about Baltimore basketball, but they don't know exactly how intricate Baltimore basketball is. Could you explain a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so my my introduction to the game was through my father. Um, you know, It wasn't at a high level. My father didn't play. I don't even believe he played in high school. Um, but he was very active in the Baltimore community. And my first memory of watching basketball was watching my father uh, in East Baltimore playing full-court basketball on creeks with, um, you know, inside of a, you know, cage. Uh, and, you know, just like it was late, I remember being late at night, like I very vividly remember my first basketball memory. I um, mean, at this point, this only had to do with my father. It wasn't about... You know Baltimore basketball or the tradition I knew nothing about it but I just saw you know it was magical to me man you know just seeing a group of people at night it was nothing but you know it wasn't any like resources it's just a bunch of people out there going hard playing ball and uh, that was my introduction and uh, I, I really fell in love with it from there I don't remember not uh, having basketball as an important part and priority in my life um, from there all my friendships met my wife on a basketball trip, Um, you know, traveled the world through the game Mm -hmm. um, all over the country. Uh, Yeah. As you said, it's a lifestyle and uh, one that I was introduced to pretty early in life. What's it like? I I was going to say on the second part on the Baltimore basketball side, you know, I think it's separate. So like the game was to my father on the Baltimore basketball side. What I remember, I grew up in the rec centers here. Yep, And, uh, I remember, uh, so I grew up in South Baltimore, and in South Baltimore, you know, where I, where I grew up, it was a uh, it was a mixed neighborhood, let's say. You know, it was, it was a working-class neighborhood, um, you know, not far from the docks. So it was, you know, people that, um, you know, had raised their families um, working, but poor working, you know, the, those jobs kind of went away a little bit. So it was like a poor working-class neighborhood. But so I say that to say basketball wasn't the – Culture in that neighborhood. It was like a little bit of every sport. We did a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. But I lived there in South Baltimore, my mother and my father, where I explained I saw him play. We lived in East Baltimore, where we were like we were the only we were the only white family that I that was in our circle. Let's say um, mm-hmm. when we hung out, so or when he hung out, and so I got introduced to the game um, in East Baltimore in a whole new way. Um, and then when I'll never forget um, that. You know, I felt like I was like the best player in, uh, in South Baltimore. And then, uh, I remember I was like around, I don't know, 11 years old and my father took me to the rec center, uh, Walter P. Carter, um, on 43rd street here in Baltimore. And then that's when I got introduced to the culture of Baltimore basketball in that, you know, we, every kid in the neighborhood came, we played basketball from, and it was right up my alley. Everybody in South Baltimore knew that was my thing. And then now I go to, you know, I'm, I'm with my friends in East Baltimore, and I'm like, oh, this is, like, all everyone here does all the time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's perfect. And as I said, I was kind of a, a uh, you know, I was an oddball in some ways just by looks. But, you know, basketball was our, our language that we spoke common, and it was, you know, it was really didn't mean anything that, you know, I was a white kid and a predominantly— Uh, Or the only white kid around. Let's just say, right? Um, It was just we were playing ball. It was all love. We were all growing up together, and uh, it just became my life from there.
0: You know, you mentioned something, and and Coach. I take notes while we talk because I want to be able to make sure I remember certain things that you mentioned. Rec centers in Baltimore are the. It's a two-part question: Are the rec centers still as prominent today as they used to be, or AAU basketball take over that? And explain to people what a rec center is really like in Baltimore. Because to me, growing up in the Baltimore Catholic League, the Keith Jennifers of the world and the Mark Carter of the world, who I played against, that's all you talk to them about. They're going down to the rec center and hooping. So explain a little bit about what the rec centers are really like.
1: Oh, man. I mean, I could go on forever. I'll try to condense it. I, what I'll say is that everyone, 70s, 80s, 90s, if you came up in this city, um, you, there was a rec center in your neighborhood. It was a neighborhood hub, even to the point where, like, when you were at your rec center and there was a kid when you were like 13, 14, 15 who stopped coming to the rec, you were worried that the streets got him and he was out there maybe doing some bad things. It really was a community safe space yeah. hub where you could do homework after school, uh, but basketball was being played at a high level at all times, and you had uh, mentors in these rec centers that um, you know, knew the game and coached it um with passion, with discipline. And, you know, you were you could go to a rec center and really be um like really learn the game at a high level. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there was one in each neighborhood they had a league called BMBL the Baltimore Neighborhood Basketball League, which was um organized um Ron bogue's uh rest in peace was I mean super instrumental Um, You know, it's just a community-based thing where neighborhoods all over the city were represented and, you know, everybody got together. And it was almost like national AAU level, but you're getting it right in the city against other members of the city. And really, that movement is why a a city like Baltimore is talked about as a top five basketball city in the country. And if you want to put us with, you know, the DMV, we are the hub of the country Mm -hmm. and. Um, I mean, the you know, I would say the most prominent area in the country to be the high school student athlete for basketball is this area. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and to me, a big part of the the reason why Baltimore has a stake in that is because of the rec centers and the way people were developed in the rec centers. So that's the significance of them, and absolutely it has changed. So to me, the game has become almost like a middle class game because, as I said, you know, these rec centers they were free. They were in every neighborhood in the city. Didn't need any type of, you know, you didn't have to fill out paperwork. You just you know, you just went. It was a you know, safe space. And mm-hmm. they're you know, they're gone. So now what happened is a lot of you know, so now, you know, the game became so popular and became such big business and scholarships and social media that, you know, everyone wanted a piece of it. And, you know, for whatever reason, you know, a long list of reasons, places like rec centers have not been funded in the same way. Now AAU programs have taken over and more elite, either elite, you're either an elite talent out of the city or you have enough money to pay for a trainer and pay hundreds of dollars to send your kid all over the country for AAU. Um, And, you know, the game has become a little bit more accessible um, because I remember – people with money would come bring their kid in the city mm-hmm. to Oliver Wreck. I remember Lee Green from out that way. Yep. I remember Lee coming Lee Green coming down to Oliver Wreck. We're like, who's this dude? You know, he's from out that way, but he came to Baltimore to get bought. I mean
0: Lee could go. Um yeah. Oliver Owls, right? Wasn't it the Oliver Owls?
1: Yeah, man. Oliver Owls, yep. we had plaid green and blue plaid shorts, yellow T shirts. Um, you know, we were we were we were like famous on the AAU circuit and it literally was a rec center in East Baltimore. That's it. Um, rest in peace, Bucky Lee was the most famous coach there. Yep. Um, recruited all over the state. Um, eventually, because he knew people wanted to come play um, in East Baltimore. That's where the bump was. Yeah.
0: You know, but it changed a lot, man. It changed a lot. The, uh, you know, it's part of the reason why I'm
1: so proud to be a public school coach here in Baltimore. Because although the rec centers are gone, public schools are not, and I'm doing my best to to hold on and, and, and we are doing
0: our best to hold on to that tradition now you're doing an unbelievable job i'm going to share with the people here kind of what what you've done how you know you become a good friend of mine in the business and and I've, one thing i've learned by doing this podcast is sports or basketball kind of is the common denominator like you can we as i said before we went on the air you and i can speak a language and not a lot of people can speak and it and it's a lot of fun but 10 years at poly you take all your playing experience and and you come back to your high school and you lead it to five Final Fours and four state championships. How has that felt taking your program from where you started to where you're at now? Because you are the best pri- best public school in a private school world of Baltimore. And I have fun following you all the time doing that stuff.
1: I mean, I appreciate it. First of all, Chad, I mean, even you know, every single time I hear that list of things, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it is definitely, I feel, a sense of pride. I just, you know, a big part of it is that, for me, um, is that we, you know, we started from nothing. We had no tradition at our school of basketball success, mm-hmm. and um, so, like, so that part, really growing from nothing, growing from the ground up, was, you know, take a lot of pride in that part, and I'll say the, uh, you know, in terms of, like, you know, how, how I feel about it, and, um, you know, how... Um, the the best part about it, I mean, it has been a fun ride. It's it's like full of misery. So like when the actual winning, like if I want to speak on that part, it's like, I remember we won our first city championship. I was so disappointed that I wasn't happier because like, as you know, and this is a curse of coaches and being competitive, I, I went through misery my first few years after losing in the state playoffs. I mean, absolute misery. Like it was, it was. I couldn't talk to people for a while. I just hated it. I hated it. I felt like we were working harder than people, and they were beating us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so difficult. And then to you know now, it. I don't even. It's like weird to say it, but it's been four years in a row that I haven't ended the season with a loss. That is like. It's been very. Uh, it's been a good feeling, um, but but I say that to say even those feelings of when you win, as great as it feels, it like feels worse to lose. The real feeling that, uh, you know, that that has been great is the sense of community that we've created. Like, not only among our staff members, Anthony Fitzgerald, our associate head coach, you know, Dominic Harrison is a a part of our support staff, one of my best friends, you know, since I was a little kid. You know, Larry Tucker, I've known over 20 years, competed against in college. And, you know, just, we've become, you know, great friends. You know, our staff, Kenny Wood, uh, Mike Turner, you know, and then even starting it, with guys like Teon you know, Crudup and Jared Ingram. And then mm-hmm. we got our, our guys. Now we have two, two former players have now come back and they coach our JV. That's awesome. Um, and, you know, Mike Brown and Josh Jones. Josh Jones, head coach, just got his first JV City Championship this year. It was the first in our program's history as well. So, like, the sense of community is what I'm proud of, is that we have, you know, we talk to, you know, like, We watch our guys in college, we text them as they're, you know, we got group texts with all these guys, Um, you know, and just like having a sense of community and a community that wasn't there before, Mm -hmm. that is there now, that's tight knit, that have a lot of people within it that appreciate each other, that have good times together, you know, we get together outside of basketball to go watch games, or I guess that's still basketball, but go eat, you know. And, uh, you know, that, that community is something I'm real proud of. And, you know, I enjoy every moment of,
0: it. you know, the one thing that I, I'm going to share with now that a lot of people probably don't know is, and it's your saying, and I absolutely love it. It's our family versus your team. How did you come up with that? Ah, uh, I, so I, I remember,
1: I don't remember exactly where, but I, I remember I was watching some girls basketball on, on, um. On ESPN, it was college basketball, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember the the coach was referring to their team as a family, but she was calling it our family, and um, she was calling the team like our family. And something something just like kind of clicked in my head when I was watching it, and I was like, and it was like their family. And she kind of compared and said that her family, you know, she felt that the family environment in her team could outlast the other team. you know, the, uh, would be the the deciding factor. And, you know, that just kind of summed up everything that, you know, that I felt about, you know, where we wanted our program to go and what it was all about. And, uh, it just kind of clicked. And I was like, I remember calling Fitz and being like, you know, this is going to be, you know, what do you think about this? I love this as our slogan. Um, and it's just kind of stuck from there. It's been great. It's something that like we embrace so much. And we love, and we feel like it's such a positive thing. And then what I realize is other people, opponents hate it because they're like, y'all, how do you think you're a family and we're not?" And, and it's like something we actually laugh at sometimes. It's like you know, it, it's not even it's not about you. It's you know, it's really about us. But um, it's something that we, we embrace, we love, um, and you know, it's been kind of a cool part of our identity.
0: I think it's really cool. I mean, I've actually been fortunate enough to come down and watch you play multiple games as, as a fan. You know, I just kind of sit back and enjoy watching you coach and your guys play. And I would have to say from a distance that your community that you call is almost like one huge family at Poly. That's how I've always seen it from a distance. And I it's something that I've longed for at South, trying to build that up that way because – it really is truly an awesome experience when everybody's rooting in the same direction at the same time. It's a really cool environment. Well, thanks.
1: I mean, it, it's intentional. I mean, we really... I remember uh, our, our first year played City when they had Nick house and Charles Tapper, and uh, I remember telling... Our staff, like, we're going to have it rocking in here. And they're like, yo, you do know we're about to lose by 40. I'm like, I don't even care. The first step is creating, setting the stage. Mm-hmm. They're good. This team is a nationally ranked team. They're freaking good. I had the band. I had a DJ. I put a full suit on with the jacket last time I made that mistake. But, <laughs> like, super, you know, super hot in the gym. Like, unbelievable atmosphere. And we're like, you know what? This is a part of that. We, we want to create the atmosphere and we'll build, we'll build our team, we'll build our program, we'll build our family up to where we can compete and win in this atmosphere and place. You know, play against some higher level teams. Um, but first, it was, it was just like you know what? It's like when first time we played St. Francis. Like we knew we were going to lose, but we didn't care. We wanted to play the best. Wanted to see what our program, how we measured up against them. Um, we wanted to set the stage, and we knew eventually we we're going to build our 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 family to match um, the stage.
0: You know, you mentioned St. Francis. You know, Nick does a Nick does a good job over there, and I was fortunate enough to coach against Nick. If Nick ever wears a bow tie against you next time, remind him who we got the bow tie look from. I rocked a bow tie I, coaching against him, and he's like, oh, I'm going to do that. That's all that dude wears now is bow ties. So I have to, every time I see him, I'm like, yo, I got to get you I'm like a long tie or something. About that,
1: Chad. I'm definitely going to mess him
0: about that, Coach. I mean, Nick, Nick
1: is a friend of mine. Uh, we definitely have had our battles. Um and, uh, yeah, he's, they called him the bow tie. Yep. If, if he doesn't wear a bow tie against us, I would be extremely shocked.
0: Disappointed, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely.
1: I, would think it's, I would think he's not respecting the game if he didn't wear the bow tie.
0: He, uh, you know, so I, I could, here, here's my next story. I'll give this to you. When I was the head coach at Goretti, you'll laugh a little bit. So they got R.J. at point. They got Warren Sparrow at the two. I want to say it was Dante Holmes was his name at the three. Um, Terrell Vincent was at the four. And I think it was Terry. Terry, who was the big guy that went to Rutgers?
1: Oh no, Greg
0: – Greg Greg uh, Lewis. Greg Lewis. Greg Lewis. Yeah. That's their starting five. I'm at Goretti. We, we don't. We don't have in that roster. I'm beating them by two at halftime because I'm holding the ball. My guys are like not missing any shots. Um. They pressed us coming out of the locker room and I think they ended up hanging like 96 on us. I think they we got outscored like forty something to five or something like that in the second half. It was complete like he just never took his foot off the gas. But but nah, ever since then Nick and I have had good battles and 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 I really appreciate his friendship like I appreciate yours. But you guys compete with them at the public school level against a perennial power now that Nick has built Saint St. Francis into with recruiting you guys have competed against them. You played them at the Towson Center last year and beat them. Is that correct? Do I remember that right?
1: Yeah. So this past year, we played them at UMBC, and I'm sorry, at Morgan and lost. The gotcha. year before was at Towson, we won. Gotcha. We've been we've been back and forth. It was a Goucher year before that we lost. Yeah. It was it Morgan the year before that we won? We've been back and forth for about. I would say, matter of fact, we're we're, we're we are four and four against St. Francis. They won the first two. We won the second two. We've been back and
0: forth the last four. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, you know, for people that don't understand how big that is, that's a huge accomplishment in order to be 500 against a team like that at the public and private school levels in the city of Baltimore. You've also been fortunate enough to play other top 25 teams. Who are in the top 25 have you competed against, and how have you done against those guys? So
1: our first top 25 matchup was Simeon. Um... Yeah, Simeon out of Chicago, uh Jeff out in the downtown locker room, shout out to him. Put put an event together called the Charm City versus Windy City Classic. Um was just an unbelievable opportunity to get, you know, Morgan Park and Simeon, two top teams in Chicago to come out here and you know, watching Taylor and Horton sucker on the Lakers now it's pretty cool because I watched them, you know, tear the fur off of us in my gym. Uh but it was it was like, you know, Basically, every experience, I think this is just such an awesome, like, life lesson about nationally ranked teams and about, like, just, like, insurmountable. Like, as I said, we lost the first two times. St. Francis is pretty bad. So you got to get there. You got to come close and get your heart broken. And then the breakthrough is coming after. So, like, everything that we've done has been that way, you know, even including the state championships. Last time we did lose, the state tournament was at Woodlawn. We're number one team in the Baltimore Sun. You know, we get upset. We absolutely shouldn't have not lost that game. But that loss led to state championship. Gotcha. So say, that, say we talk about nationally ranked teams. Played Simeon the first time. Back and forth game. Wound up losing by like seven or eight. They were like, I think, number 15 in the country. They come back the next year, they're number six in the country. Caleb Horton Tucker is now a senior. He is like the guy. We're up nine in the fourth. Up nine, about six minutes left in the fourth. I'm literally watching this kid say, coach, just run four flat the rest of the way. And absolutely like we tried to double team him, didn't work. You know, we like, you know, we did everything and he just absolutely took over the game. They they wind up winning by one in in that. So we're we're at the uh they're at the free throw line. They're up three. They hit the free throw to hit the fourth. Dre comes down Devonde Prey at Temple now, hits a three, makes it a one-point game with like eight seconds left. And they wound up taking their time to get the ball out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And then the guy, and then Taylor Horton Tucker waited a couple seconds, got there, stood, he like got it and stood there with like four and just let the clock run out. We didn't have any timeouts, right? So we lose that nasty rank right game by one point, huge disappointment. They came back on us. And it's like, you know, we hated it. We thought it might be an opportunity squander. But then state championship that game, that state championship game that year, we win the exact same way. Dre hits a free throw to put us up four. Tomey comes down, hits a three with like five seconds. But he tells everybody at the line, don't play defense on the other end. If they hit a three, I'll take it out. The game, This game is over after I hit this free throw. So, so that being said, you know, pushing the national, the national competition allowed us to be in a place where it came right back to us that year. But we wanted that nationally ranked game again. Um, our next chance was I oh no, our next chance was uh, Harvard Westlake, um, California, down at the Beach Ball Classic this past year. Yep. You know, I talked to the guys, or I said, "Look, man, we we've had two chances against Simeon. This is our third chance as a program. We came so close. This is the one. We had a couple a couple guys. Ra Ra was on the team against Simeon. We had a couple guys that remembered that yeah. how close we were, and we dismantled them. I mean, we we knew like this is our first national rank win as a program. The guys knew about the history. Um, you know, we we you know we uh, yeah we got with them, man. We we was we won by I think eighteen in the end." Maybe it was 14 then, but we controlled the game the whole way. Right. Uh, later in that year, played put, put St. Francis talked about up Morgan this past year. They were nationally ranked at the time, lost by two, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just a Baltimore classic basketball game. Um, and we weren't nationally ranked at that time. And then, even though we had beat the Harvard-Westlake early in the year, then we play IMG. I believe they were number six in the country um, at UMBC february 6th 2020 um and you know that was going to go down in history for me as uh you know our program you know it'll be remembered in baltimore basketball when you talk about that public school thing coach like it it means a lot in every game means a lot in the saint francis rivalry to us to me to our staff to our guys but to beat a best international sports factory like img out of a public school out of baltimore that was the uh you know, to this point, that was the pinnacle in my in my coaching career, and it came, you know, in our first our first top ten national uh, national
0: rank victory. So obviously, I wasn't at the game; we were still in season. And I've seen, and since I don't I don't have any social media anymore. I got off that. It helps me out mentally. I don't get you know <clears throat> stuck in stuff that I don't need to be stuck in where I was chasing stuff. So it, it it's calmed my mind down. But I did have social media at the time, and I do remember. When the game ended, you ran down the hallway, almost like Herb Brooks and Miracle. How long did it take you to come back out from back in the hallway after the game?
1: So, the um, I've, I've definitely told the story a few times since the video of me running out. I ran over a security guard and like 40,000 people looked at the video online. So, I've definitely <laughs> yes. talked about it a few times. But it was like... It was just a culmination of 10 years of like 6 a.m., 5 a.m., waking up, you know, picking kids up and like, you know, this whole everything I'm talking about that's so important to the way we built it. It's just this culmination. I was like, I felt this like rush of energy and I was like, I don't want to do a Jimmy V and run on the floor and look for somebody to hug, you know, because I, I, somebody just didn't want everybody looking at me at that moment because I knew I was about to cry. And so I was like, you know forget this, I'm getting out of here. And I just like, looked for the first door and I bolted for it, yep. ran out the door, sprinted down the hallway. And I just remember I was saying, we just beat IMG. We just beat IMG. We just beat IMG. Like I was saying it to myself, like, you know, probably like 50 times in a row. I went like, and balled up in a corner somewhere in the gym. I was like behind the basket, like a basketball hoop that they had, you know, yep, like a portable the side, like put downs, yeah, portable one <laughs> there, put down somewhere in the corner and like an obscure place in the facility. Like, I just was, I couldn't get over it. I, I probably spent like a minute and a half, I would say, I, although time was relative at that time, I really don't know, but just crying and like getting some emotions out, like really saying to myself, like, that just happened. It was like, you know, pinch yourself kind of moment. Um, and then I remember going out there, and first guy I saw was Ra Ra, who had, you know, hit the game winner. Yep. And, you know, gave, gave him a big hug, finally got to shake hands, uh, you know, with the other team, um, which I, you know, I would have liked to have done right away. But you know, I talked to Coach Sean. He, he understood, man. It was, it was it was huge for us. So uh, you know, big time moment for me, man. I just remember uh, you know all of those things. And then you know, as I said before, the best part was you know afterwards, I got to I got to run it back, talk about it with my guys, with my my friends. You know, or, you know get get the love from former players. I remember before the game, talking to a guy who was like who played Division Two basketball, Darian Stokes Graham, who was our first. All Metro performer. He had courtside seats. And I like, I remember, I remember it was like two minutes before tip. I run over to him. I was about like, I was getting the first play ready. What we were, you know, we had practiced, we were going to run our first set. Um, and it was a new play. Um, and I was, like, you know, really, like, locked in on doing I saw Darren, I was like, forget this, man. I'm going to go talk to him. I was like, man, look, look what you built, man. Look what you were a part of. Yep. Like, we played in empty gyms when he first got there. Look at this, man. We we packed the UMBC. And it's all, you know, part of the vision that you got behind when I first got there. I thanked him. And then now I get to call him after the game, like, hey, we beat him. You know, like, so, you know, that whole thing, and you know, that part of it was – uh it was amazing, man! Amazing film. I get goosebumps
0: talking about it. I think it's awesome. I like. I said. I remember following it on my phone, kept hitting refresh, kept hitting refresh, and uh, you know, obviously, that's a huge. It was a big night for Baltimore basketball because didn't St. Francis beat yeah, yeah. Oak Hill the game before?
1: They they blew out uh, Oak Hill. I mean, it, it was it was a statement for Baltimore basketball that like, you know, this is not. You know, I mean, the biggest thing to me that it did. If you're in Baltimore, like, you know, we have a sophomore who's being heavily recruited now. And when somebody first hears that, they're probably thinking, oh, colleges. But no, he's being heavily recruited by basketball factories all over the world. You know, like, mm-hmm. this is, you should come here because you can't, you're in public school in Baltimore. And, you know, you should come to a school like this because we can just make your entire life about basketball and you not have to worry about anything else. And we'll be able to help get you to the NBA, you know, like they won't. And then so to, for, you know, St. Francis, they got a kid that's a freshman they will be getting all those kind of calls as well. Mm-hmm. And we both proved you don't have to leave here to get high level basketball and to play on a nationally ranked team. You don't have to leave the city. And in fact, you have a public and a private option. Yep. If you want to, if you feel like you're a national level competitor and you're from this area, you don't have to leave. Um, leave your home and experience high school away from home in order to experience basketball at that level. And that night uh, symbolized that for our area. Nick and I were both very uh, you know very proud of of that um, that part of the night.
0: You, you know, you, you talked a lot about your staff and and the support system that you built and created and the family atmosphere that you fostered. You've had some really good players come through your program, too, that you have built into being really good basketball student athletes. Um, You know, Bryce Lindsey, you got Brandon out at IMG right now, who's going to be going to LSU. I mentioned in my show here before you got on that Marquette is hosting Butler tonight. Justin Lewis is playing at Marquette, and he's got more ESPN top 10 dunks than, than I. Every single time I show on the TV, I feel like he's getting like a tip dunk or a tip in at the buzzer. Um, and then is still over at Howard? I think that's where he was going before they had to shut down yep. for the season, right? Yep, Roger Howard. And you got, is it Mims? Isn't Mims playing at Towson? Did I remember that right? Yep, Demetrius is at Towson. We got Jordan Jones up at Marist and
1: Devondre Perry at Temple. Um, as far as our guys that are out there, other than what you've mentioned. Yep. Um, yeah.
0: How is it to, as a coach? You turn on the tube. I mean, I know when we were texting the other day, you were talking, oh, man, I got, like, all the college packages now. How's it to turn on a game and just see one of the guys playing? Does it put you on the edge of your seat, or are you more kind of relaxed, texting them after the game, being like, yo, what are you doing here? Or, hey, I really like that.
1: I, uh, well, see, the thing is, like, now, so I used to be their coach only, you know, as far as basketball is concerned. But, you know, I was much more to all of the guys that you just mentioned. You know, we we didn't just have our interactions in the gym. right? So it's cool to be, like, a fan, a, um, a supporter, um, a mentor, a coach, you know, all of these things in one, um, to guys that, you know, came up in our program and, you know, just, it's really just a great feeling. Now, as far as like, I don't relax during competition that I
0: care about. So I don't like either. Not, as, as you've seen, <laughs> like I'm just not a ca- just not a casual person around
1: competition. So like, I, when Justin got that tip in, um, a sports center, I'm watching. So it was, uh, it, was it was funny because it was like, so this is just kind of like an example of how I watch these games. It was, um, they're big. They got in foul trouble. They're playing mm-hmm. the top five team in the country. Yep,
0: Wisconsin. It was like eight. Wisconsin There's 18 minutes left in the second half. Now, mind
1: you, it's a Friday night. I had my mother and my aunt were babysitting my wife and our son. So we had a date night. I'm like, babe, we got to watch Justin tonight. He's playing against top five team in the country, you know, so we're watching. So, you know, having a basketball wife, as I do, she was, she obliged and I was very grateful. So we're watching 18 minutes left. I'm like, babe, Justin's about to play most of the rest of this game. You know, Theo got four fouls. This is an opportunity for him to show he belongs in college basketball. So he played a great second half. I'm in here going nuts. And I, I promise you, at the end, I'm like, if, if he gets the ball, he's going to hit the game winner. So then, then you know, another guy gets fouled. I'm like, he's about to tip in this free throw. I told told Dominique, is like, Justin's his legs are, like, Unreal! He's got two tree trunks. He like he, he's gonna get. The, he's, he's hitting the game winner in this game. Man, I lost my I lost my mind when he did. You know, so it was like, you know, similar to the uh, I didn't have anywhere to run like the IMG, but it was just you know <laughs> that kind of you know I, I enjoy competition. You know, uh-huh. you talked about basketball being a lifestyle, competing and specifically competing in the game that I love most is you know it's it's my it's my thing, man. I love it. It, it is how I get out my competitive drive and my, Mm -hmm. you know, my, you know, the athletic urges that I've always had my whole life. And so now I don't play as much, you know, so I get to watch my guys, you know, that I've spent many hours in the gym with that I've played against. Me and Justin have talked a lot of trash playing ball against each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, you know, so to see the young guys that we've had so much, um, you know, interaction with and got to watch them on their journeys and be a part of them. You know, it's 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 priceless man i feel it makes me feel rich man i will make a lot of money as a teacher i don't um you know we don't have the uh you know the too, too much too many things uh but having that man that, that that's all i need yeah.
0: So uh
1: it's, it's a uh no it's fun man a lot of fun watching watching your guys
0: compete at the college level yeah, I've been fortunate to put a couple guys, not at that level. I mean, when I was at ACC, had a couple guys go D1. One was down at Houston. That was fun to watch him on TV. And then a couple go in the NEC and Arkansas State. And It's a uh, – I was actually more nervous watching them on television than I was coaching them. Because it's like you can kind of control some of this stuff on the sideline a little bit more than you can through a television set.
1: Oh no question. You gotta let it go. You got you got put the got put the clipboard down when you're watching. That's, it is tough. You're right. Uh-huh. Like I'm, I, I'd run, I'd run this play for Justin right now to get him the ball. Yeah, who cares? You're not his coach. Like <laughs> <laughs> so, right. it's uh, not cool, man. It, it is definitely a good feeling. And then, like you said, man, really, you know, it's a new level of cool. You know, to see it on Sports Center. But man, I watch. I, you know, I watched Chaz Brown play at Baltimore City Community College, and was just as excited. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, it's just cool to see your guys. You know, after because you know you go through so much together when you're coaching them, just to see them after, um, and being the men that they become. Um, you know, it's just you know that's a big part of it—the college part. But you know, just watching them as they, you know, watching your guys as they mature and go throughout life. Um, you know, still calling your coach, it's
0: uh, it, it's not a bad, not a bad, not a bad thing to be called. No, it's it's not at all. I know, I know God has blessed you with two sons. God blessed me with two daughters. And I got a ton of sons on my program. And there's still that when they graduate and I tell them that you ever need anything, you call me. And to me, the coolest part is the texts and the phone calls and your coach, I'm getting married coach. I just bought a house, you know, I got a new job. They're the texts that I, I enjoy the most because it you were a part of their journey, and you were a part of making their life better for themselves, and that—that that to me is the most rewarding part of all of it.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely. Now you mentioned—you yeah. mentioned Justin's at Mar. Oh, we mentioned Justin's at Marquette. Bryce Lindsay is he getting recruited by Marquette as well? He
1: he has been offered by Marquette. Um, Justin has talked to him about his experience there. Coach Wodjo. Um, had a few Zooms, um, that, um, you know, he's been on with them recently. Um, the, uh, yeah, they're, they're, I talk, you know, it's just tough with this time and recruiting. Like, you know, they haven't been to see him. Um, but you know, so a bunch of schools have, you know, Virginia Tech, Chester Frazier down there. He Chester. loves Bryce. Um. You know, so
0: there's, there's been a lot of zooms. It's just also, you know, stuff. You don't get this. You don't get to see coaches as much because we ain't playing the same way. And there's something about that interaction in person on a either a on-campus recruiting visit or the coach coming down and sitting in your office and having a one-on-one with them. There's something about that interaction that makes people feel comfortable. It's very difficult to get comfortable through a computer screen. Uh
1: yeah, no question, no question. I, I mean, how they're doing their job. I mean, even, you know, me, we're not, you know, we don't recruit. But, like, I go watch middle school games. I go, you know, I went and talked to if someone is interested in coming to poly. You know, I'll, I'll go talk to their, you know, middle school math teacher. I remember, uh, I remember talking to Ra-Ra and about, like, he was, like, you know, was talking about, quote-unquote, recruiting him for basketball. I said, I want to talk to your math teacher. I don't, I don't need to see you play basketball. I already heard you can play. Like, at that age, for us, it's like, you're recruiting a "quote unquote" a a 13 year old. I don't want to. I don't even care. I, I want to know what kind of kid you are. You know what I mean? Like yep. if you want to, if you're going to come into our program, I, I'm more concerned at that age. Like you know, you, caring so much about a kid's skill and you know, at, at that age, it's it, it's uh it's it's tough. It's like you know, it's just a tough. You know, it, it's it's almost it almost feels immoral. Um, so it's like. Um, you know, it, recruiting has been super different. Um, but I would even just say socializing getting to know people in any way, um, you know it's just the whole dynamic has changed.
0: Now I I'm just so everybody understands you are a public school. You are a magnet public school. so when coach talks about recruiting his kids in, he's recruiting them into the magnet program. Is that correct, coach? I'm actually speaking on that? Hopefully I yeah, am correctly.
1: So basically, you have to the, the our school inherently recruits. You know what I mean? As yes. a school, uh, you have uh, to so in order to keep your doors open. Yep. you have to test into the school. We actively seek, um, you know, the kids in the city who go to public schools who are doing well academically. We want them to come to a Poly instead of thinking they have to go to private school. Um, you know, it is a um, you know we now. And, and that's why I say, you know, as a math teacher, I can go talk to your math teacher. And as a basketball coach, I can go watch your game now. Can I recruit you for basketball? No. I mean, But the beauty, beauty of that is is that, you know, you're not – you don't get into poly unless you have, uh, you know, a certain level of academic success. So it's like, um, you know, it, it really is – it, It's and it's weird because our city now, you actually can go to any school. We have this thing called school choice – you can go to any school in the city, mm-hmm. no matter where you live. So there's no like zones. And it was a disadvantage for us for a while because people were, you know, we're not supposed to, but people were recruiting for basketball. But the, the, what happened with us is once we built a basketball program, basketball parents started recruiting us for academics. Okay. And it was, it turned out to be great. Like if a parent comes to me and says, I'm interested in my, son going to poly look you got to go apply it's not I can do to get you in you know and like so it's like uh you know I, I can tell them about it I can tell them about what our basketball program is like I can tell them about um you know what our school is like I'm also a math teacher there as well um so it, it, it's become uh and it's funny you know like I, I really don't even you know it's one of those words that in public school that say you know it's uh, people look at it with um you know, they worry about using it, but I, I really don't. You know, I, I, I'm i very clear on what we do. I know it's above board, um, and I enjoy it. Um, you know, it, it's in, in Baltimore City, the Baltimore Polytechnic Institute recruits the top students to our school, so it's only natural that we would look to get the top student-athletes as
0: well. I, con- I You know, Coach, I completely understand how uh, how all that works, and that's why I wanted to clear that up just in case people were listening to me like, man, poly recruits? No, they don't. They recruit student-athletes to student-side first. They just were really good at putting that orange ball in the round hoop, you know, in the evening time, too. So.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> um, coach, I know you're a busy guy, and I do know that you have class coming up at 1230, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I wanted to thank you for being on. I uh, I treasure your, your friendship and uh, – you know, the fact that you have done such a great job, I, I do try to mirror a lot of stuff. I, I've, I've talked to my players and my program, as well as my staff, about how you do things and why you do things. And it's something that I try to emulate out west a little bit. And, uh, you know, I'm going to continue to try to emulate that. I hope that COVID dies down here soon so you and I can get up and we can do, you know, a, a chalk talk and just kind of cut it up a little bit. But, uh, no, I appreciate everything you've done for Maryland public school basketball, and, and as well as you know for the game of basketball in Baltimore.
1: Coach Chad, my brother, I appreciate you. Right back at you. I definitely am looking forward to some chalk talk. talk. Um, you know, when you do this, there there are levels of obsession with this game, and uh, it was clear to me from uh, from very early in getting to know you that you are you are. We are At the same level of craziness when it comes to the game, and we could chop it up forever about basketball and its uh, its impact on our life So, now nah, I appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, I, I knew it would be fun to chop it up with you about basketball. Like I said, a, po- a podcast doesn't even doesn't hold enough uh, recording space there to hold what we could talk about. So, now nah, I appreciate you you uh, reminding me of a few things, allowing me to share a few things, and uh, you know, I, I appreciate what you do. Um, you know, out West, I mean, you, got, you guys, you know, play play some good basketball out that way, always have. Um, as I said, with the Goretti thing, you know, there's always been, I mean, you even literally have a presence, you know, in the Baltimore Catholic League, from out that way. Um, and so, uh, you know... I appreciate
0: you, man. It was fun chopping it up with you. Nah, I uh, I look forward to maybe having you back on here. Once we know what's going on, we can kind of talk about what an off-season program looks like at Poly, how you guys build into it. I didn't even get into the EYBL stuff that you do or the USA basketball travels that you do, but hopefully COVID dies, dies down soon so you're able to get back on the court with EYBL. You're able to travel back out to Colorado Springs and you know, keep learning going forward because I still have the USA basketball book that you, you emailed to me. I still play, still plays out of it and concepts and ideas and all that kind of stuff. So I appreciate all that.
1: Well, I, I, I hope to get out there as well again soon, man. They've cut everything off for a while. Yeah, we we, uh, we got to open this world back up so we can get back on our basketball travels for sure. Yep. And anytime, man. I, I'll be on the show every week if you let me. I love Pelton
0: Ballways. I appreciate that, Coach. You have a good rest of your day. Stay safe down there with the fam, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, Coach. to See you. Having a coach on the show today. He, uh, he brings a wealth of unbelievable knowledge. He's an extremely humble guy. Uh, We haven't even really had a chance to divulge into all the stuff that he's been able to do. And, you know, he talks about wanting to be on every week. You know, we might have to push it to get him on here just so we can talk about what it's like to run a program. You know, the ins and the outs, the food, the study halls, the, you know, getting kids to do the right thing, you know, talking to them about the right stuff. You know, he does a lot of that stuff, and I've been able to emulate that at South, and I uh, I appreciate him kind of allowing me to look inside of what he does in successful programs so that I can emulate it up here. That is today's show. Stay safe in the snow. we got a whole bunch of snow here in Hagerstown. Stay safe with that. We will be back tomorrow with Wisdom Wednesday, as well as a couple guys on the phone line. Until then, thank you for listening to Never In My Wildest Dream podcast. Talk to you soon.